Let's look here in 1 Samuel this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 2. And I, want, I typically don't always name Sunday school lessons, but I'm going to name this one this morning. And I intend for this to be a Sunday school lesson. It may turn out to be something along the lines of a sermon, but I really do intend for this to be a Sunday school lesson. But I call this lesson, Taking Advantage of the Situation, Taking Advantage of the Situation. So uh, let's I'll tell you what, let's read first and then we'll pray. Let's look in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and look in, look in verse 1. The Bible says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord, mine, mine horn is exalted in the Lord, my mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more exceeding proudly, let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath, borne, that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive, he bringeth down to the grave, and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich, he bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set him among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. All right, Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness to us this morning. Lord, we pray that you'd be with us this morning in the Sunday school hour. Pray that you'd lead us and guide us. Lord, pray that you'd give me strength, Lord. I pray that you'd give me physical strength, God. I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to stay focused this morning. Help me to say everything, Lord, that needs to be said, everything that'd be pleasing to you. And God, guide us, Lord, this morning. Pray that you'd be with us in the morning service. God, pray that, Lord, whoever's here, God, Lord, pray that you'd speak to their hearts and deal with them, God. And Lord, just help us this morning to grow and follow you, Lord. And God, help us to learn what we need to learn today. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you, uh, I, if you were paying attention, I, and I, I think you were, but I don't know because I'm not in your skin. I'm only in mine this morning. I'm having a little bit of a hard time paying attention myself. So, uh, But if you're paying attention and looking here in the couple of verses that we just read, about verse 1 on down to about verse 10, verse 11 really hits into the narrative. It says, Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli. That's not part of, obviously, Hannah's prayer. That's really part of the narrative of, of the story that's going along in 1 Samuel chapter 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Hannah prays from about verse 1 down to verse 10, and, and basically the overall theme of the prayer is the Lord is the one that puts up, and the Lord is the one that takes down. The Lord is the one that exalts. The Lord is the one who humbles. The Lord is the one that has control all, over all those things. And if, if you're familiar with where we're at, which you should be, it has been a couple of weeks since we've been in 1 Samuel. 
But we just got done with 1 Samuel chapter 1, which if you remember, 1 Samuel chapter 1 opens up with a man named Elkanah who has two wives. He's got Hannah and Penina. Hannah has no children. Penina has at least one child. Most likely, I believe the Bible says children, so she's probably got more than one child, obviously. And, but what, what Penina does is she does what every uh, human being likes to do to another human being who has lack. She exploits the situation. She takes advantage of the situation. And there's a lot of people in life, in your life, and I'm sure you've done it before because you're not as spiritual as you'd like to think you are. Neither am I. Uh, but oftentimes what we do is we find a weakness or we find a lack in somebody else and we use that to our advantage to show, either, to show how much better we are to somebody else. And it, it usually doesn't, well, I say usually, it doesn't always extend to the aspect of actually coming out and saying the thing, like uh, to use an example, so I'm not just talking in terms, of, in, in abstract terms. If I see a weakness in Brother uh, Michael, boy, my mind's a little bit foggy this morning. If I call you by the wrong name, don't take offense. But if I see, if I see a weakness in Brother Michael, you know, I could come over to Brother Clinton and say, well, you know, Brother Michael does this and he doesn't do that. And really what that's all about, and I think everybody understands this, that's not really a thing of pointing out Brother Michael's faults to Brother Clint. And I'm not saying that I have done that nor would like to do that. I'm just using that as an example I trust you understand. But that's usually not a thing of I'm sincerely trying to point out faults about Brother Michael to Brother Clint so that Brother Clint can avoid uh, getting wrapped up in those faults. Usually what that is, nine times out of ten, probably more than that, is that's a thing of I want myself to look better to this guy. And so the easiest way to do that is not to improve myself. It's to point out the flaws with somebody else. Man, that is so common. People, people do that all the time. And so one of the things that you find here in 1 Samuel chapter 1 is that here you've got a, a man, he, he's, he's a husband, and he's got two wives, which is not, the, it's not God's arrangement. That's not the way that the Lord originally set things up. Uh, a man can often turn to the Bible and say, well, you know, you know, here's this situation. It must be okay because it's in the Bible. Well, David committed adultery, but the uh, Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, thou shalt not commit adultery. That, that's not justification. And just because uh, Elkanah has two wives doesn't mean you should. Uh, that's, that's not justification. But no, nevertheless, here's, here's how the situation is. And Hannah doesn't have any children. She's barren. And Penina has children. She's not barren. So you can obviously see where the problem is. Same husband. You can see where the problem is. And so it, it's with Hannah. And so, boy, that lady, Penina, she just gets in there and just takes advantage of that and just like sticking a dagger in somebody's heart and just sit there and just grind and grind and grind. Real, real sweet lady, you know. I mean, just somebody you'd want to have for a next door neighbor. Somebody that you, you know, want to take chocolates to on, you know, some particular holiday. Uh, but that's, that's basically how the story goes. And what this gal's looking for, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a great lesson in human nature. I mean, we, we throw stones, and, and I will throw stones. I don't have a problem doing that, but we can throw stones at Penina. But it's a great lesson in human nature, your human nature. 
Uh, Brother Mike quoted it this past week, and it still stands in the Scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. And so the things that you find in other folks are the same things that sit right in your own chest, uh, the same tendencies that you find for people to, you know, find some kind of weakness or lack in some one individual boy. There's something inside your heart that, uh, that wants to have this concept of superiority. I want to feel like I'm better than the next guy. And James, by the way, I believe it's James, he says, you're comparing yourselves among yourselves, and he says, you're not wise. How, how, much, how difficult, really, how difficult it re- is it really for you to feel like you're more important than the next guy in line? I mean, it's been said before, and it's a very true statement. If you can't find something wrong with the people that's sitting next to you, or even the folks in your own family, there's got to be something majorly wrong with your mental capacities. That's not, that's not very difficult, but it doesn't change the fact that people try to use that uh, to, to make themselves feel better. I will say this. A lot of times what's going on is people are trying to justify things in their own lives. I know that about myself. Uh, when I get something that I really want to justify, the tendency, the tendency, you don't have to give in to this, but the tendency is to look at what somebody else is doing and say, well, what I'm doing is not as bad as what they're doing. Yeah. Well, what you're now trying to do is you're trying to justify yourself. And you, you're not, you're not going to win in doing those things. And so some Christians don't feel like they're spiritual unless they're, unless they're able to find a weakness in another Christian. Ain't that true? Uh, some husbands don't feel like they're really in a grand position of leadership unless they're able to find uh, a weakness in their wife. That's very true. You know, uh, you know, well, my wife's not as smart over here and she's not as smart over here. You know, maybe she don't do this or maybe she don't do that. And so uh, it's very easy for a man to step into a place and, and use that, to use that as a platform to, pr- to promote himself, really. I'm not talking about, I'm, let me be clear about something. I'm not talking about uh, a husband refraining from leading his home. You have a, a God-given directive to lead your home. But that's not what I'm talking about. What can take place, though, is you, you sit around and pick your wife apart and you, then use what you found as some kind of justification to make yourself feel better about yourself. Amen. And the same thing happens with parents and children. Same thing happens with, with parents and children. Uh, any of you folks in here, there's not a whole lot of young folks in here. I see my youngest in here and these two fellows sitting up on the front row. But is there anybody in here that has kids that's smarter than you are? I I don't, and, and that's, not, that's, not a, that's not a negative statement. I'm not saying that as a statement of belittlement, but that is the course of nature. When children come out of the womb, they're not as smart as mom and daddy. They haven't had as much experience as mom and daddy. Uh, to, to, to say the same thing in a different way, I'm not as smart as my mom and daddy. My mom and daddy have a lot more experience than I do. They have a, a lot more that they've gone through than I have. But what you can do, it's almost like there's, there's something along the lines in, in some parents to where they feel like they have to exploit. 
And, you know, oftentimes the word exploit is used in a very, very bad connotation. But really the term I'm using this morning when I say exploit, I'm just meaning take advantage of. And a lot of parents take advantage of the weakness of their own children to, and use that to berate them, to uh, treat them as though they're trivial. And they're not trivial. They're, they're not something, they're not people to be berated. I think, you, I think we understand these things. I'm just trying to give you some instruction about these things this morning. But you can, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe you don't understand those things. And we'll pray for you about that. But all I'm saying is a parent can use those things. And what you're doing is you're taking advantage of the situation. But it's taking advantage of the situation in a means to promote yourself. Now, you got that concept in your mind? Now, let's, let's turn the tables around and let's say that you're the person that's being taken advantage of. So somebody finds a weakness with you. And uh, boy, we, we certainly do live in the age of victimization. Everybody is a victim. And I really believe that's why we have a lot, I, lest I say all, uh, but I believe that's why we have a lot of the mental problems going on in the society where we live. Uh, we have, we're loaded with a society to where people uh, are just victims. Just victims. I'm going to say something that's going to be real controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway because I believe it to be true. Uh, how many of you know any, most of them are dead if there's any, if there's any alive. Now, how many of you ha do know or have known of any World War II veterans? Let me see your hand. How many of you have ever known of any Vietnam veterans? How about Korean veterans? Okay, now how many of you know some veterans that have uh, been in this late Iraqi war? You know what the grand difference that pokes out to me is? One of the grand differences that stands out to me is, one of the grand differences is the, the victim mentality of these guys that have gone to the Iraqi war. And, and listen, I, I don't, I'm not going to push too hard because I have had some of them fellas tell me some of the stuff that they've gone through. And boy, my heart goes out to them. My heart really does break. But, you know, I, I knew a fella. Brother Mark tells the story of uh, Buck Beavers who uh, was with the fellas that stormed the beaches at Normandy, Omaha Beach. And I went to church with that fella. I went to church with that fellow up in Southern Maryland, and uh, I never, I never got the impression from that fellow of woe is me, never. Now, there are some things, I, never, I, I, I kicked myself, I was in my middle teenage years, I wish I'd have spent more time with him and talked to him about things, but just listening to him talk, I, I knew his son-in-law and I knew his daughter, uh, his son-in-law had been at that church. As long as the church had been established, obviously his daughter had been there. And obviously, you know, they got him in church and so forth and so on. But just listening to him, I never heard the idea of, well, I really had a hard time. Boy, I'm really going through it, man. I just, you know, I can't sleep at night. And there's no doubt in my mind that he couldn't sleep at night sometimes. I don't doubt that at all. But those fellas never talked about it. Now these fellas that are going into Iraq, uh, again, I, I, I'm a little bit cautious about being too hard on them. But, you know, these guys that go into Iraq, man, they can't even think straight. 
Like the, it's, it's a victim. It's a victim mentality. And boy, that's a, that's a horrible way to live. That, that really is a horrible way to live. Uh, you know, Brother Nathan, somebody's taking advantage of me physically, you know, in my, in, in my past, and my history. Well, man, I really hate that for you, but don't let that be a stumbling block to you for the rest of your life to where you can't get on with life. Is it happening to you now? Well, man, if, if you're going to sit around and lick those wounds for the rest of your life, the only thing that it's going to do is let those wounds be raw. Uh, if you leave it alone and, and pray about those things and try to get some victory over that stuff, I, I believe the Lord has the ability to give you peace over those things. God has the ability to give you victory over those things. But, boy, we don't live in that kind of, in that kind of society. We're living in a society where people are constantly glorifying the fact that you've been victimized. And it's not a glory to be victimized. It's, it is not. Listen. As, as straight as I can say it, nobody is going to get a party hat and one of those things, you know, that they put in the kids' mouths at birthday parties. You blow it and it goes out, makes a bunch of noise. I forget what they call those. They have other things called, I think, kazoos or something. But nobody's going to get that stuff and ride around town in a convertible and say, hear ye, hear ye, this person has been through sorrow in their life. That, that kind of stuff, it 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 takes place. You say, well, you're minimizing. You're minimizing, you know, hardship. No, what I'm trying to do is emphasize the fact that that's the lot of man. That, that is what all men are going through. And boy, I don't like it any more than you do. When I'm going through it, I wish I could, I, I could say that I take it with great patience and I take it with the great heart of a victor. But most of the time I go through it complaining and whining and murmuring. And then once I get through it out on the other side, I have to get on my face and say, God, I'm so stupid. I don't know how many times this has happened to me, but I just not, not, but so you get into a situation talking about this thing right here. You get into a situation uh, talking about this situation with, uh, Hannah and Penina, you get into a situation where somebody find a weakness or find something and they use that as, some kind of means to exalt themselves. They use that as a means to uh, get the upper hand, if you will. Well, that's really what you're dealing with here in this uh, situation. That's, that's what you're dealing with in, in this situation. Here's an exploiter, which would be Penina, and here's the exploited, Hannah. Hannah doesn't have any kids. Well, Penina does have kids, and Penina recognizes the issue, and she also knows that there's something going on. She also knows that there's a desire in Hannah's heart to have children because when they go down to the temple of the Lord to have a feast, she doesn't want to eat. Elkanah, her husband, gives her, the Bible says, a worthy portion. And then he turns around and gives Penina and all her children, you know, portions, so forth and so on. And Hannah, boy, she just can't hardly meet. Now, you ladies put yourself in that kind of a situation, just mentally. I mean, don't do it really. Uh, but just mentally put yourself in that kind of a situation. Don't you reckon that would be a great source of bitterness for you? <laughs> boy, uh, we'd probably hear about a homicide case before too long, wouldn't we? You know, I say that in jest. I say that in jest, but that's exactly what you'd hear. 
You'd hear about one lady down at the house of God being murdered by another lady worshiping God down at the house. <laughs> that don't sound too much like worship unless you're talking about human sacrifices. It's just a bad situation. It's a bad situation. It's a, it's a bad situation. But, you know, one of the things that you could bear in mind, hold your place there in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and look with me over in Psalm 75. One of the things that you've got to bear in mind is the fact that exaltation, promotion, comes from the Lord. It don't come from people. Now, if you're talking about, you know, being promoted on your job and, you know, being elected to be the governor, maybe that's one thing. Of course, that whole thing about being governor, I might want to leave that out because that's a different subject for a different time. But if you're talking about promotion down at your job, that's one thing. But if you're talking about... uh, let me just leave it as it stands, as the word stands. Promotion, being put into a place of exaltation over somebody else. That's the Lord's business. Uh, look at the situation. Here's Penina and here's Hannah. Uh, from the natural point of view, who would you say is in the, is in the position of exaltation? Penina. Penina, she's got kids. Hannah wants kids, but she can't have it. Right? Okay. So... You get, she can get bitter about those things. She doesn't. But what I, what I want you to notice, look right here in uh, Psalm 75 and look in verse 5. The Bible says, lift not up your horn on high. Now, you've seen that also in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Uh, when you're talking about a horn, that, that often talks about, that speaks of power. That speaks of ability. And he says, lift not up your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck for promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is judge. God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. You know when you're going to get promoted? When God sees that it's right. Did you know that promotion is a matter of judgment? It's a matter of judgment. Uh, I used to work in human resources and I know, I know a little bit about human resources, but I know that when a resume comes in, and boy, sometimes it's tough, man. When, it, when a resume comes in or 15 resumes come in for a particular position, one of the things that the hiring manager has to do is he, is he or she has to sit down and look at all those resumes and say, who are we going to have in to interview and then after that, they have to make a decision on who do I believe is going to be the best fit for the job. You know what that is? That's judgment. Well, the Bible says, promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. So when the Lord, uh, it's, all, it's maybe a little bit childish, but here's a position and the Lord says, well, I wonder who I'm going to put into this position. Well, the Lord is ultimately the one that has to make that decision. I mean, to, to use, to use the example in, and boy, I realize, boy, I realize this touches into some really touchy things, but, but I mean, going back to first Samuel, if, if you'd allow me to go back to first Samuel and talk about, here's a lady who has kids and here's a lady who doesn't. That's a tough situation. When you're talking about promotion, as far as who's going to have kids and who's not going to have kids, listen, looking at it from 
from the natural perspective, Penina didn't deserve to have any kids. You know what Penina deserved to have? A punch in the mouth. <laughs> yep. I, mean, I feel all alone up here. <laughs> Uh, but it's true. Uh, man, some woman find another woman that ain't got no kids and just. The Bible says she provoked, or her adversary provoked her sore to make her fret. That woman needs a punch in the mouth. I'm not advocating laying a hand on women. But boy, I'd come close. <laughs> uh, but you know, listen, boil it right down. Listen to me. Boil it right down. You know who ultimately had power over that? It wasn't Penina. Boy, you want to talk about something that'll just grate you over the coals. That's God's business. Now listen, you, you think about it for a second. Think about all the ladies that were barren in the Bible. Hannah, Manoah's wife. Uh, John's mother. What was John? Uh, Elizabeth. Those, those Sarah. Those people all, those ladies all got into, well, I don't know so much about Manoah's wife or Hannah. I don't know how old they were, but Sarah and Elizabeth both were up in years. The Bible explicitly tells you that they were barren. Elizabeth, I believe it's Elizabeth, when she has a child, she says, the Lord hath taken away my reproach and given, basically given me a child. Who's the one that has power over life? It's the Lord. It wasn't Elizabeth, it wasn't Manoah's wife, it wasn't Sarah, and it wasn't Hannah or Penina. It's the Lord. God's the one that promotes. Now, you say, Brother Nathan, this is really hard to take. I know, but hang with me because I'm trying to make a greater point. I'm trying to emphasize this so I can make a greater point. The thing that you've got to get into your mind, the thing that you've got to get into your mind, putting everything else aside, is that promotion is God's business. Do you understand that this morning? Promotion is God's business. You've also got to bear that in mind when somebody has found a place of weakness in your life and they're exploiting that to promote themselves. Promotion is God's business. Promotion is God's business. Here's a guy who's a millionaire and here's a guy who's surviving on $35,000 a year. He's making it by the skin of his teeth. Oh, and this guy, oh, this guy ain't nothing. And this guy has to maintain the attitude. I mean, this guy should too. The millionaire should as well. But this guy especially has to maintain the attitude. Man, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm trying to stay faithful. I'm staying faithful to God. Promotion is the Lord's business. What's the Bible say in 1 Peter chapter 5? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Is that where it stops? That he may exalt you. In due time. Now, what happened? What happened in the, in the situation in 1 Samuel chapter 1? Penina had children. Hannah had none. Hannah wanted children. Well, you know, Penina shouldn't, uh, Hannah shouldn't have allowed Penina to drive her to such a place of bitterness. Well, she didn't. But you know what she did do? She let it drive her to, a, to an altar. She let it drive her to a place of prayer. And she said, God, if you'll give me a man-child, she said, I'll give him back to you all the days of his life. And that's what she did. She, she uh, went in there, she prayed this prayer, and God heard the request that she made. The Bible said God remembered her, and God gave her this little boy, and that's exactly what she did. Now, 
the name, the name of the lesson this morning is taking advantage of the situation. Penina has taken advantage of the situation, has she not? Well, now God has answered Hannah's prayer. And you know what Hannah's getting ready to do? She's getting ready to take advantage of the situation. It's a very peculiar way in how she takes advantage of the situation. If it had been me, I'd have went back to Penina and went, na-na-na-na-boo-boo. I know that's too immature for some of y'all sweet, dignified, highbrow folks. Forgive me. Pray for me. Maybe I'll be dignified one of these days. But that's, I'd have done something like that. I'd have went back and made a snide remark to the gal. You know what Hannah did? She went down to the house of God and she said, thank you. Go, go back and look at what it says. Hannah, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. She didn't say, I'm happy because I've had a baby. I'm satisfied because I've had a baby. She said, God delivered me. God answered my prayer. Now, uh, look, Hannah goes down and she prays about the issue. She, she prays about the issue. She, she prays that God would give her a child. One of the things that she doesn't pray for, listen to me, she doesn't pray that God would kill Penina. Oh, God, let Penina have a stroke. She said, Brother Nathan, who would pray that way? Don't kid me, man. Don't kid me, man. There's folks sitting right in here. I guarantee you when folks start doing you wrong, boy, it's real tempting. It's real tempting. Oh, God. I'm not even going to say uh, what you're tempted to pray, man. But it's rough. It, but that's not what Hannah prayed. Uh, she didn't pray that God would kill Penina's children. Hannah don't have any. Listen, do you know it would be very easy it would be very easy for Hannah to get out on her knees when all this stuff, here's, here's, here's a lady that's just, just digging in, man. Lady who has kids and a lady who doesn't. The lady who doesn't goes down to the altar and she prays. She could just as easily pray, Lord, kill this lady. Just rid me. You say, Brother Nathan, that's, that's not something that you should do. Well, in the New Testament, I do believe that. But, you know, David prayed that a lot of times. <laughs> I, I have prayed before, man. God, just wipe this stuff out, Lord. Just shut these people's mouths. And what I had in mind was, you know, something probably not as spiritual as it should have been. That, that, could, have, that, was, that could have been the prayer of Hannah. But you know, you know whose attitude that would have been like? Cain's. You know what Cain's attitude was? I'm going to bring this sacrifice. It's the fruit of my hands. You know, Cain and Abel, they're the sons of Adam and Eve. Abel brings the first fruit, the firstlings of his flock, sheep, lambs. And the Bible says that God accepted that sacrifice. And Cain brought the fruit of the ground, the first fruits of, of the work of his hands. And he laid that on the altar and burned it. And God rejected it. God turned his nose up at it. That's how you know we're not all working to get to the same place, by the way. That's a great type. But anyways, he comes to that place and he sees that God has rejected his sacrifice and yet he's accepted Abel's sacrifice. 
And instead of getting right, instead of bringing the right sacrifice, he's so insistent that he wants to just be the way that he is. Instead of getting right with the Lord and bettering himself, he'd rather just eliminate Abel altogether. And so they take a walk out in the woods one day. He lifts up his hand against his brother and murders him. That's, that's the attitude of Cain. That's the attitude of Cain. You know, there's a lot of situations. There's a lot of situations you're going to come up against in your life. And it, the, the easy thing to do would be, here, here's this person. They found a weakness in my life. They found this or they found that. The easy thing to do would be, uh, God, just kill them. Just get rid of them. Just wipe them out. Or the other thing that you could do is pray that God would do something else that would shut their mouth and also be a blessing to you. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, Penina. Oh, God, kill, kill, or Hannah. Oh, God, kill Penina. Take her kids away. Let defects come get them. No, that's not what she prays. She gets down on her knees and she says, Lord, she says, I want a son. I want a child. Give me a man child. And she said, if you'll give him to me, I will give him back to you all the days of his life. God heard it. God remembered it. God gave her a son. Hannah honored her word. And that boy turned out to be one of the greatest prophets throughout the whole Old Testament. Look, here's a situation to where Hannah is sitting right on the fence. If she makes the wrong decision, she could be bitter for the rest of her life. She could pray. Maybe she could pray that God would kill Penina. Maybe she could pray that God would take away Penina's kids, but that wouldn't give her a boy. And so she'd get her prayer answered. Let's say God answered the prayer. I doubt he would, but maybe he would. God worked that way in the Old Testament. God worked that way under the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> so here you, here you roll. She prays that way. God takes away those kids, but she ain't got no boy. And all you got is a bitter old hag sitting in the Old Testament who now her husband's other wife is childless or gone and she's a bitter old woman sitting in Israel. See, it wasn't anything. It, it's not a real prayer. Now she goes down to the, uh, change the, the, the story according to the way it's laid out in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2. She goes down and says, God, give me a man child. If you do, I'll give him back to you all the days of his life. And when the Lord honors that, when the Lord does it, she keeps her word. And now you don't forget Samuel. I'm talking about people thousands of years later. If I say Samuel, if you're familiar at all with your Bible, you know exactly who I'm talking about. And if you have a little bit more familiarity, you know how, it, how he came to pass. That woman has a legacy. Why? She was sitting right in a situation to where she could have, she could have made a particular, direction, a particular decision, prayed a particular way because her heart was pointed in that way, and she'd have been bitter for the rest of her life. But she didn't let it do that. She said, God, answer my prayer. God, give me what I'm looking for. And then when God answered it, she went down to the house of God and said, Glory! Hey, God delivered. God this is what she says. God saved me. Ain't that what she says in 1 Samuel chapter 2? She said, I'm going to rejoice in thy salvation. She's not talking about soul salvation. She's in a bad situation. 
God delivered her from those circumstances. And listen, when God delivered her from those circumstances, not only did it, not only was it validation. That's what everybody's looking for nowadays. I just want to be validated. Well, listen, man, if God validates you, what else do you need? You ever had, anybody in here ever had prayers answered? Listen, do you, do you, you remember, I hope it hasn't been too long ago. Do you, do you remember the, the peace and the comfort that comes over your soul of, he really is listening. I've been running my mouth to my wife. I've been talking to my husband. I've been talking to my kids. I've been talking to my mom and daddy and they ain't been listening. But I've been talking to God and he listened. And he answered my prayer. You want to talk about a a source of validation. You want to talk about a source of real, true comfort. I got a sneaking suspicion that Penina didn't like Hannah after this whole thing went down. But what could she say? And if Penina didn't like Hannah after this whole situation, it doesn't look like it bothered Hannah at all. She did what was right and God honored her with a flock of children after that. God didn't just give her a boy, God gave her a litter. Ain't that right? Yes, sir. You say, what you talking about? I'm talking about a lady who took advantage of the situation she was in. You see what I'm saying? She took it. It's a bad situation. It's a bad situation. She could let it Put her in one frame of mind, but instead of doing that, what she said is no. No, I got a God who's willing to answer my prayers. I got a God that's able to answer my prayers. I'm going to make my way down to the house of God, and I'm going to pour out my heart, and I'm going to see what the Lord will do for me. And God did something for her, and when God did it, boy, she didn't hesitate to say, hey, I rejoice in his salvation. Look at what she says again. My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies. She got a big mouth. And that's the place where a big mouth is acceptable. Some of y'all should be shouting. I don't know what y'all so quiet for. Y'all must still be asleep. That's okay. It's true though. Hey man, you don't have to run your mouth to Penina. Just get in the house of God and thank God. Oh well. Presbyterians. My horn, mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies. This was really a great blessing to me. Uh, Maybe it'll be a blessing to you when you wake up. Because I rejoice in thy salvation. There's none holy as the Lord. There's none holy as the Lord. Uh, For there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Let me take a look right here. this whole situation, hold your place here in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and look in Hebrews 11. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, going back to this thing with uh, Cain and Abel. Look right here in Hebrews chapter 11. When, when, Cain, when Abel offers his sacrifice, Cain was able to look at it and despise it and scorn at it. I, I'm talking about something that God put a stamp of approval on. God's the one that put a stamp of approval on Abel's sacrifice. Well, when Cain looked at it and it made him upset, what was he able to say about it? Absolutely nothing. 
You say, but he killed Abel over it. Yeah, but God still accepted Abel's sacrifice. Look at what it says right here in Hebrews 11. It says, verse 4, it says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Obtained witness by who? That's a good question. Ain't it? You know what the problem with us is? We want to obtain witness that we're righteous by everybody else except God. If I could just get Brother Tommy to approve of me. Or if I could just get Curtis on my side. Ain't that the way we think? I'm not talking about using that as a justification to be odious to people. There's always an acceptability about pleasing God that will make you acceptable in a sense to people. But that acceptableness to people is it's an acceptability to where people are able to look at your life and say, we can't say nothing against it. The thing that comes to mind is Acts chapter 4. These fellows go into the temple and they go into the temple and laying at the door of the temple, there's this fellow who's been lame since, his, since he's been born, right? And he says, hey, he says, you know, he gets their attention. Peter and John gets their attention and says, hey, alms for the poor. And Peter looks down at him and says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have Give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he grabs that man by the hand. And the Bible says, pulling him up, he leaped up and then started walking. He was healed. And it ruffled the Pharisees. Boy, it ruffled their feathers. It got them all uptight, got them all upset. They pulled uh, John and Peter into this council and they got them back there and said, Hey, what authority do you have to do this? The guy just got healed, man. What are you talking about? What authority do they have to do this? What right do you have to come in and mess up our worship service by healing people? It's the height of stupidity. But that's how religious these guys were without God. And so they go through and they preach them a message about Jesus Christ. And so these fellas have to get back in a football huddle. All these Pharisees, they get back in a football huddle and they say, you know, this is pretty miraculous what we've seen today. And this is what they said. They said, we can't say anything against it. I mean, how are you going to argue with somebody being healed? Here's a fellow that's got two broken legs. He ain't walked. He ain't walked for most of his life. And he gets wheeled down here in the front of the church, People's Baptist Church on a Sunday morning. We gather around, anoint him with oil, and pray over him like the Bible says in James chapter 5. And he walks out walking. I'm not talking about Benny Hinn slap you on the forehead and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about he walks out, I mean, leaping, rejoicing as a result of applying. I mean, what you going to say about that? Oh, what them folks are doing down there at People's Baptist Church, it ain't real. I mean, how can you argue with something like that? You see what I'm saying? Well, here's old Hannah. Boy, she could get down here. She'd get real bitter about this stuff. But I mean, when God's the one that starts opening wombs, when God's the one that starts letting barren women have children, what you going to say? What you going to say? Run your mouth, Penina. Just run your trap. That's a great blessing to me. That, that's a great blessing to me. Where's the approval coming from, though? It's not coming from Penina. It's not coming from the naysayers or the gainsayers. It's coming from God. 
Listen, that's how important it is to have the blessing of God on your life. Listen, there are a lot of people that are going to look at your life and say, what that guy's got, what that lady's got, there ain't nothing to it. There ain't nothing to it. There ain't nothing to it. But let the blessing of God come. And just let them talk. Let them talk. There's only one reason why that'll grate your nerves. Is if their approval is more important to you than God's approval. You know who's the world's worst at that, Brother Curtis? Preachers. Ask me how I know. Boy, if I could just get Brother So-and-so to look on me and smile. And boy, you know one of the greatest educations in preaching is to get to a place to where God puts a stamp of approval on you and just be satisfied with that and that alone. You know what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15? It says, study to show thyself approved unto Dr. So-and-so. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God. I, I'm not, listen, I'm not talking, again, I want to be clear about things. I'm not talking about using that as a justification to go around and be a jerk. But you know, the fact of if you're doing your best to please God, and God knows that, God, and, and you know that, boy, and that's, boy, that's almost just as important. Maybe not quite as important, but it's almost just as important. If God knows that you're trying to please him and you know that you're trying to please God, what Dr. So-and-so thinks about it doesn't matter. Two flips in a furnace. The stamp of God's approval. Let the blessing of God come. You know, there, I'll give you a little illustration. Try not to be too uh, descriptive. But there's folks, you know, not too far from this church, you know, folks all around this place. They, they have hated the way that this church has stood for a long time, for, for a long time. And whatever they think, whatever. But, you know, uh, when I first started pastoring this church, boy, I really felt like it was my responsibility to really just eat them up one side and down the other. And I mean, if I feel led to do that, I'll, I'll try to do that as much as I feel led by the Lord. But I'm going to do my best to make sure it's the leadership of the Lord and not me just being aggravated. Because that's, sometimes that's hard, that's hard to distinguish. Uh, but you know what one thing I, I, the Lord has showed me within the last week or so is the fact that, hey, if God is blessing the church, that's all that has to be said. That's true. That's true. Somebody told me not too long ago, you know, one of these churches, you know, that, you know, despises this church is having some troubles. And they, the person who told me, explained to me what was going on. And I just shrugged my shoulders and I said, par for the course. It's to be expected. When you follow that kind of theology, when you follow that kind of mindset, that's the natural place where it will end up. You say, what are the details? It's none of your business. Don't worry about it. it I, I don't care. It, and I don't wish anybody, I don't wish any church to fail. But I know a church is going to fail if it doesn't apply God's principles. This is not my church. The church that's failing that I'm talking about, that's not that individual's church. It's God's church. God laid out those principles in his word and said, if you'll do this, this will work. It doesn't mean you're going to have the biggest auditorium and the biggest crowd but it will produce the results. And so for all of the folks that may look at People's Baptist Church and say that church is a failure, that church is not working, the results speak for itself. You see what I'm saying? 
And that's what I'm trying to get across to you this morning about your own life. Oh, that person's life is a failure. Well, let the results speak for themselves. You say, but they won't quit talking. Let the results speak for themselves. This person hates my guts and this person never has anything nice to say to me. Well, you probably don't deserve anything nice to be said to you. Maybe you're, maybe you're an idiot. I know that's really hard to imagine. But maybe you're a fool. Maybe you deserve for somebody to talk to you rough and mean and snarly. Okay, well, if you're not at fault, if you really are doing right, there's going to be right consequences that come out of that thing, is there not? Okay, then let those things come to a natural place of consequences and let those consequences speak for themselves. Amen. Nothing else needs to be said. Let me give you this illustration. I'll close. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, it says in the book of Ephesians, to him, talking about the Lord, talking about God, talking about Jesus Christ, to him be glory and honor throughout all ages in the church. You know, what that, you know what that verse means? There's a lot in that verse. There's a lot in that verse. But at the end of time, I believe, I believe it's going to be at the great white throne of judgment. There are going to be a lot of people step forth at that last great judgment day that are going to step forward and point at God, point their finger in God's face and say, you didn't do me right. You're an unjust God. You're a bad guy. You say, Brother Nathan, people don't have the audacity to do it. I beg to differ. Well, I think there's going to be a lot of surprises come out at the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to see how bad man really is. They're going to point their finger in God's face and say, you're an unjust God. And you know what God's going to do? God's going to turn around and point towards the church, you and I, and say, what do you mean I'm a bad God? Look at all these people I saved just simply because they trusted what my son did for him at Calvary. You say, what's that going to do? That is effectively going to shut the mouth of every individual that has ever put their finger in God's face and said, you're an unfair God. Because he is, but unfair in our favor. Not unfair against us unfair for us. God didn't owe us anything. And God did it all. He did it all. He paid the way. All that's required now is for you to simply believe. And boy, somebody got enough guts, brazen enough to say, you're not right. You're an unfair God. Well, what about all these people that just believed me and I saved them? They never saw me, but I saved them just simply because they believed. I'm that unfair. It's going to shut their mouths. It's going to shut their mouths. And what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is exactly what I called the lesson. Take advantage of the situation. Take advantage of the situation. You get hemmed up in a situation. Well, pray and ask God to deliver you. Ask God to work something. You don't have to pray that God will kill the other individual. What you do need to pray is, God, deliver me. Help me. Do something. To where I can see you delivering hand and they can see you delivering hand. And then when they can see it. And then when God delivers you, get down on your face where you belong. 
Don't go get over there in their face and say, see, I told you. No, 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 no. You got the wrong idea. Get out on your face and say, thank you, Lord. And then just let the consequences speak for themselves. Amen. Lord, help us this morning. God, I pray you take these things. Lord, I pray it'd be a source of establishment. God, pray that you'd bless the morning service. And God, be with us, Lord, this morning. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.